Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I know this is kind of an overlapping subject because we talked about forgiveness before, and now we're talking about the love life. And uh, how many of you had an opportunity to put it into practice? Mm-hmm. How many of you have had opportunities to recognize when you need to put it into practice that you didn't think, hadn't thought about before? Uh-huh, yeah. That's what the word's all about, to bring revelation. <laughs> to bring revelation to help us. You know, and uh, so we're going to just kind of keep on that. You know, last week at the very end, uh, the last part, we were talking about forgiveness, and I just felt impressed to just go back and talk about it a little bit more. Um, love, you don't need love, if, you know, if, if it weren't for the fact that you needed to forgive. What, why would you need love if you didn't need to forgive a lot? You know, let's go to Matthew no, let's no, let's go to Mark. Mark eleven. Hallelujah. Mark eleven. Mark eleven and twenty-five. You know the first verse of the verses that precede this, so we won't go there. But here's the thing, verse twenty-five. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. If you have anything. Not a big thing, but anything, any little thing, you need to forgive. Why? When you pray. Why? Because if you don't, then your prayers are hindered. You know, walking in love or the, the failure to walk in love is one of the root causes of why people don't get their prayers answered. You know, Brother Hagen, you know, had, he, would, he would tell you that. He made a statement one time that, that went like this. Every step out of love is a step into sin. Now, that's a tall statement. You think, are you, I mean, come on now, really? Every, now listen, if you stop and you ponder that and you meditate on it, you'll see the truth of that. Every step out of love is a step into sin. And so we, we have to get to a place where we, have, we, we recognize, that's why I asked that question, where we recognize the places where we need to get our love walk in action. You know, we get busy and we forget and then we get reactions come, you know, when you're just off the cuff, you know, when you're just walking through daily life. But we really need to become more and more aware of the times when we need to be sensitive to the fact that we need to access the love of God that's on the inside of us in any and every situation, big, small, and in between. You know, Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. And so sometimes people just, you know, they, they just wonder why, you know, why is, why is my faith not working? Well, that's when you need to go back and check up. And take a look 
at what's going on and see now, Father, is there something that I need to do? You know, and God will tell you if there is something, he'll reveal it to you. He's faithful to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, over in Matthew 18, there's the parable of the servant. Let's go take a look at that real quick. Well, not real quick. We'll stay on as long as we need to stay on it. How about that? Matthew 18, verse 23. And it says, there, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he'd begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I have written in the margin. I'm not sure if this is still a valid qualification or not. But I have written here a long time ago, nine, that equals like 9.25 million quite a lot of money. But for, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. I'm thinking, if the per servant had enough stuff that he could pay that debt, he was pretty well off. But anyway, it goes on. It says, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. Now, I've also written here, endure with me. Give, give me some time. Uh, with me, and I will pay you all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which is about $15. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. I'm thinking, how are you going to pay the debt when you're in prison? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Verse 31, So when his fellow servant saw what was done, and they were very sorry, and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you desired me. You asked me to. You, you, you implored me to forgive you. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. You know, when we honestly stop and we think about walking in love toward people and walking in a place of forgiveness... You have, to, you have to go back and, and remember what a great debt has been forgiven you. What I need to forgive somebody else for is so minor by comparison. How dare I not forgive someone else? When I'm walking daily in the blessings of the forgiveness I have received from the Father. Daily. This this what makes my life worth living. I'm walking in his blessing. I'm walking in his forgiveness. I'm walking in his love. How in the world can I justify hanging on and harboring anything toward anybody? You know, when you put it in that kind of a perspective, I mean it really it really shows the light on how ridiculous it is to be upset and hurt and angry with your brother and sister or with anybody. It could be a family person. You know, but it's, you know, it said here that, that the master went and he got that servant. He called him a wicked servant. I don't want to be called a wicked servant. 
if this applied to this servant here, how much more would it apply to this servant of God who is guilty of the same thing? And you go on down, that man was thrown into jail. It cost him. Walking not in love will cost you. It will cost you. I've told this story uh, many opportunities I've had in different avenues to, to tell this story, but that few years ago, I mean, I, I uh, just was really just put out on a Saturday, just put out. I don't know why I was put out, but I was put out. And it was, and it was no big deal. It wasn't a big thing. I just put out. And I decided to head into town, and something on the inside said, don't go. Wait. That'll keep. And I just thought, I'm going anyway. And because I went to town that day, I got into an accident and totaled my car. You know what? Walking in forgiveness, unforgiveness is going to cost you. Let's not make the price so high that it can't be redeemed. You know, there are, there are people, you know, who get into accidents, different things. And... If I could be guilty of doing that very thing on just a plain, ordinary Saturday, it's very possible that someone else could do the same thing I did, being walking in a place of not walking in love towards somebody or something, and then doing something really stupid, and it cost them a great deal more than a totaled car. You cannot decide that well, it's not a big thing, so it's not going to cost me much. You don't know. That day it was a little thing. You can't quantify what the cost might be. You can't determine, well, little, little, little irritation, a little cost. No. Those little things sometimes can be the thing that are the most expensive to repair. You need to repair your love walk. If it's, if it's gotten a little tattered, if it's gotten a little worn, if it's gotten a little frayed, you need to repair it quickly. Ephesians 4.32 talks about being kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You know, uh, when you're quick... To, to, to do these things and you, and, you, and you walk in a place where you have a habit of forgiving people, it makes a huge impact. But when you walk in a continual habit of unforgiveness, it will rob you of your capacity to be tenderhearted. You know, the way we stay tenderhearted is to stay hooked up with the love of God. That's what keeps our hearts tender toward one another. That's what keeps us in a place where our heart just is just ups. It's just this, uh, our heart, if, if, we, if we stay in the love of God, our heart will tell us, you got to fix that. You gotta, that's being tender hearted. But if you don't practice a habit of walking in love, your tender heart will turn cold and stony. Many is the time I have seen people who, you know, you go talk to them or, 
or maybe you try to talk to them about about something. Maybe you're, you're asking their forgiveness, you know, for something you've done, and they're just cold towards you. Anybody ever, ever have that? Just just cold. Um, you know, it's you, you, there's a commercial on TV. I think it's Cheetos or something. You know, where there's a couple and and they're obviously at odds with one another, and and. And she's giving him the cold shoulder, but she's eating something that's very crunchy. And sees that that's not how you do a cold shoulder. And he walks out of the room with a bag of chips, you know. And, and then the door opens, and he's eating the bag of chips. But anyway, you know, it's a good commercial. But, you know, we, we shouldn't be to a place where we give somebody the cold shoulder. Whether it's the person we live with, the person we work with, the people we hang out with. You know, that's not being tender-hearted. That is setting yourself up for a, a stony heart to develop. And when that happens, it's hard to get back to a place where you're tender again toward the things of God because you have stopped the flow of the love of God in your life. You have just, you've just put a roadblock. If it's a pipe, you've basically clogged the pipe up. And you can't afford to do that. We just, we, just, we just can't afford to. We need to be quick to repent when we're the guilty party of causing offense. We need to be quick to repent when we realize that we're operating in unforgiveness. I was reading today an account in, in, in Brother Hagen's book about this lady who came to him, and, and she was... And she was she just wanted to ha- ask this question. She was telling him that that it just seems like her and her family just were were always sick and they could never get their healing. They just they just couldn't believe God for their healing and their faith wasn't working. And and yet she had these these and and they were in and, and she quantified this by saying, "Then we're always in church and we're always here and we're always this and we're always that, you know. And we're tithers and we're at church all the time. I mean, that's not the basis on which you know you get healed." It's part of your service to God, but it's not, it's not, that you can't, you don't earn that, you know, with, with doing those things. You know, it's, it's by faith, and, and if, if you're walking in faith, you'll do all those things, yes. But anyway, she said, and, and my, and my other, other family members, you know, my, my I don't know, it was a brother and sister-in-law or something, their family, they don't, they don't, they're not in church like we are, and they don't do this, and they don't do that, and they get healed all the time, and they get blessed all the time, and I just don't understand how come they get blessed, and we don't, they get their healing, and we don't, and so he began to ask her some questions. And he said, the Lord just gave him a word of wisdom and, and said, you know, are they, are, they, are they people who forgive easily? And she said, well, as a matter of fact, yeah. They, they for, they're, they're some of the most forgiving people I've ever seen. They'll even take responsibility for something in a situation that they really weren't at fault in. And he's going, those are the people who are, who are putting themselves in a position to be able to be quick to believe. If you're quick to repent quick to forgive, you'll be able to quickly believe when you need something from God. You need to keep that in mind. It puts you in that place where God can really operate through you. Because here's the deal. When you've got something going on inside of you that needs to be dealt with and you're refusing to deal with it, you don't have the boldness to go before God. And really believe him for what your need needs to be, what, what need you need to have met. 
Hebrews 4.16. Let's go there. Hallelujah. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That word boldly in the Amplified is fearlessly and confidently. You know, when you've got something going on on the inside that you know you should correct and you're not correcting it, it's real hard to come boldly to the throne of God. Fearless, confident. It's tough. There's, there's, just, there's a hesitation on the inside. You know, that you, I don't know if this is going to work, you know. Anybody but me ever been to that place? You know, okay, before I come ask God to help me with this, I'm going to have to deal with that. See, your heart's talking to you about that. First John 3. Hallelujah. First John 3, verses 18 through 21. My little children, let us love in word, neither, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't you just love when people say, oh, you know, you've, you've had, there's, a, there's an issue going on. They go, yeah, well, I love you. And you think, fat chance. Fat chance. I don't believe that a bit. You know, we can say we love one another. But you really see it when it's put into action. Talk is talk. Talk is cheap. I told somebody not long ago, listen, the only, the only way you're ever going to get past this is to actually take what you say you know and do it. And do it. And what you've heard, you are now responsible for. And so it's up to you to, to not do it just in word, but in deed. And in truth, go on verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For our heart, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. So the opposite is true. If our heart does condemn us, we don't have confidence toward God. And that's something we need to be mindful of, you know, at all times. We're, we're living in a day and age where we need to make sure that our love walk is intact. We can't afford to give the enemy the slightest bit of room to have any place in our lives. You know, the Bible talks, I think it's James, says neither give place. We give place to the enemy when we don't walk in love. We get him. Actually, it's a huge, wide-open door that we have just said, come on in. Come on in. Just do whatever you want. We don't literally say that, but that's in effect what we have done when we don't walk in love and we know we're supposed to. Now, there are people who don't understand the love of God, who don't understand that the love of God's on the inside of them, that don't understand that that they've been commanded to walk in love, that don't have a revelation of that, but if they've got a Bible, they still don't have much of an excuse. But you know, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. 
And you know when he's talking to you about something. You know when, when, when he's grieved and your own spirit man is grieved. Ever had something going on on the inside? You're, 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 that man on the inside is just turning flips, going, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't say it. Don't say it. And we just do it anyway. Oh, I think the best advice, I mean, I remember we've had a couple of bridal showers around here and, and somebody wanted, wanted, had a little cards and they wanted everybody to write down a good piece of advice for, you know, for the married couple, about to be married couple. And I think one time I wrote down there, know when to speak and when not to. There is a time to keep your mouth shut. Now, I might be thinking a lot of things that I will have to deal with later, but just don't say it. Don't, don't put those words out there. Don't do it. Don't do it. It opens a bigger can of worms, and you can't ever get those worms back in that can once they're loose. You know, somebody said you can't unscramble eggs. That's the problem. Sometimes we are so determined to have our say, to give them a piece of the mind we have, and, and, and let them know what's going on, and all it did is make everything worse. Yeah, but they did this and they need to know. No, they don't need to know. No, it's not your job to tell them. If, if they're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, God can talk to them about that. Their own spirit man can talk to them about that. It's not your place to tell them. You ever had kids, you know, my, my boys are four years apart. And so, you know, there was always this thing, you know, where, you know, big brother is trying to tell little brother what to do. There would be times when I would say, you know, okay, we're going to go somewhere and, and, and we're going to do this and, and you guys take care of this when they got older, you know. And, and I'd come home and, well, he tried to make me do this. Well, he tried this. Well, he wouldn't listen to me. Listen, you're, you're not the parent here, son. It's so cute when you see like a four-year-old, you know, trying to tell somebody what to do. You're not the parent, darling. <laughs> You're not the parent. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's this little meme that I've seen before. It says, I'm not bossy. I just have leadership skills. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I could tag that on a number of people. <laughs> you know, but it's not your job to make sure they understand what they did was wrong. That's not your job. It's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's, it's their spirit's job to tell them about that. Because when you tell them about that, all you get is resistance. You know, leave it alone for Pete's sake. Just leave it alone and let God deal with it. He'll do a much better job of it than what you will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Matthew 18, 21 through 22, the, the, you don't have to go there. Um, the disciples were talking to Jesus and he and asked him how many times you're supposed to forgive somebody. Seventy times seven. Another place over in Luke 17, he says seven times a day. They do the same thing seven times a day. You forgive them seven times a day. Listen, that is not a hard and fast number. Don't say, okay, I've got to eight. Now I can go. Now I can give it to them. No, you cannot. The, the, the concept here is walking in a habitual state of love toward people. No matter what they do, no matter how many times they do it, 
You know, and we're all going, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, you can. You're learning every single day. You're getting better and better at it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Amen. So, you know, just don't, don't, don't think, you know, okay, I've got, I've got to, okay, 70 times 7, 490. Okay, we're at 491. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good to go. No, you're not. You know, and, and here's something to, re- to remember. Um, walking in love does not mean that you have to put up with all this kind of nonsense all the time. It means you keep your heart straight. But somebody, somebody told me this a number of years ago about a situation, and, and I thought, man, that, that's really good. They said, you must forgive, but you don't have to fellowship. There are toxic people in your life that you have to deal with on, on a regular basis. But when you have an opportunity to remove yourself from that kind of an environment, maybe you should remove yourself from that environment. If that means walk out of the room, if that means, you know, just find a new set of friends or whatever, you know, um, you do it. But you keep your heart straight. You keep your love walk intact no matter what. Hallelujah. Then last week, just at the very end, you know, we got to this, and, and, I, and I wanted to come back to it tonight um, because I think there's, there's something more to be said, and that is to forgive yourself. Listen, God forgave you. You know, and, and we've we've gone over these scriptures last you know last month. When we were talking about about uh, walking in forgiveness. Isaiah forty three verses twenty five through twenty six. God says, "I'm the one who blots out your iniquities. I will not remember them anymore." Hebrews eight twelve and ten seventeen both say, "Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more." Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. That is a long way. In 1 John 1, 9, it said, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. In 1 John 2, 1 through 2, it talks about having an advocate with the Father. You know, you have to get to the place where you forgive yourself and let it go. Let it go. You know, just personally, I, I know that there are, are many times when the enemy just wants to beat up on me about, about stuff. And some of it may be current, and some of it may be past things. It might be the fact that I have missed it and missed it. In this area, I just I have, I have failed the Lord this many, 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 many times. More than that, 70 times 7. You know, I have failed, you know, in this area over and over and over again, and just beats me up and beats me up and beats me up and beats me up about it. You know, until I just want to go hang my head somewhere, you know, under the covers and turn out the lights and draw the curtains and never come up again. You know, you know, there's some there's some Wednesday nights I walk out of there going, Oh Lord, just I don't have to I don't wanna I don't wanna go back. You know, but but you know what? If it didn't come out all that great, there's always next time. You know, you gotta, you just gotta leave it. But here's the deal. You've got to get past whatever that is. If God doesn't remember them, you shouldn't be remembering them. If you've said, Lord, forgive me, even if you've had to say it 
70 times 7 for, for messing up in this particular area. Let go of it. The reason you have to forgive yourself is because if you don't, the enemy comes in with his condemnation. You know, and I, and I, I, I have this sermon that I haven't done in years about conviction or condemnation. And here's just the simple truth of it. You can tell when there's conviction or where there's condemnation coming at you. Condemnation comes with such force. It comes with such um, uh, accusation. And it feels like there is no getting past it. It feels like there's no hope, that there's no way beyond it, that there's no answer. There's, it's, you are feeling totally hopeless. And when you let yourself get to that place, then you, you let yourself be open for depression and oppression. Don't do that. Begin to recognize when the enemy is putting condemnation on you. Listen, when it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it'll come in and, he, and the Lord may be telling you, your own heart may be telling you, this is something you need to fix. But there's always an answer accompanying it. There's always encouragement accompanying it. I liken it to this Let's say you were on a boat, a ship, out on the ocean, and you fell overboard into the sea of condemnation. There is no life raft. There's no life preserver. It's just going to be however long you can tread water. And, And after a while, that is overwhelming. But I'm telling you what, when there's a conviction going, you may have fallen into it, but conviction throws you a lifeline. It throws you a life preserver. It tells you, here you go, just grab on. Listen, God is always saying, just grab on. If you need to fix it, fix it. Here's what you grab on to. He'll tell you how to grab on. He'll throw you exactly what you need to grab on to. Don't let the enemy put you in a place that, that, you, that you, you feel like you're hopeless. That's not God. You know, there's a family, a family member of ours uh, who's in heaven now lived a life of torment because they were always sure that they weren't pleasing God. They were always sure that they, they had made the wrong decision about everything from big decisions to little decisions. They lived in a perpetual state of condemnation. And it was like, they got to a place where they were under so much oppression that you could not convince this person that that just wasn't so. So much of it, there, there, were, there were things that were so minor. It was like, so what if you bought a blue car instead of a white car? You know, it, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it was that kind of stuff. I, 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 shouldn't, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have made a trip to this, to this place. I, I shouldn't have bought that. I shouldn't. And they lived like that all the time. Can you see where that could, I mean, after a while, it'll run you insane. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to take your peace, take your joy, put you in a place where you can't see any way out. That's what happens with people. There's, those are the beginnings of, of somebody leading down the road to, to worse things uh, 
things like suicide, it starts with these small things that they don't address, that they don't recognize. How many people are in psychiatric institutions today because they feel like they have sinned, the, the, the unpardonable sin? Many. You'd be surprised how many people that it started with something like that. And that's where their, their focus is. Their mind has locked onto that, and they can't get free from it. Listen, recognize condemnation when it comes. It is there to steal from you. It'll steal the peace. It'll steal the joy. It wants to steal your life. You cannot afford to not recognize it. And the way you stay out of it is to walk in a, in a place where, you're, where you are sure and confident that you're walking in the forgiveness of your Father God at all times and the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart and God's love is on you daily, that he daily loads you up with benefits, that he loves you compassionately. He loves you completely. He cares about you in every part of your life. You have to get to a place where you understand that. He's not holding any of your mistakes, any of your failures, any of your habits or attitude. He's not holding that against you. Just say, Father, forgive me. When, when I, when, if I need to ask for forgiveness, do it and let's move on. You know, and we talked last week you know, for just a second about Paul. Paul, the persecutor of the church. Can you imagine the kind of condemnation the enemy tried to throw on him? You murdered God's people. You, mur- you killed them. You went after them with a vengeance. You murdered them. And yet he said, I forget the things which are behind. And I'm pressing on. You will never move on into your future until you forgive yourself and forgive somebody else. You know, I, I've known of, of a couple of instances where a person had a, a real problem with a parent. They had a terrible relationship with a parent, and that parent was now not alive anymore. You know, in, in places and times like that, you know, you can still ask for forgiveness and just say, Father, I can love them. They may not be here for me to fix, to, to kind of, to have to reestablish a relationship, but you can still say, Lord, I need to get my heart straight toward them. I need to let go of this. Maybe they've been gone for 20 years, but you're still carrying around some things. Get rid of that baggage. Get rid of it. And say, Father, help me. You know, and you can find yourself eventually, when you do that and you maintain that, you can find yourself in a place where you're actually have, you have a different perspective of that person. Not that you've made them into a saint. You know, I'm not saying that. It's amazing how many people, once they've left this earth, suddenly become saint so-and-so. We went to a funeral a number of years ago, this lady who was really, really not very nice. And... She proclaimed, professed to be a Christian, but she had a nasty attitude, just a real carnal Christian. And they were singing these praises about her, and I'm going, are we talking about the same person here, you know? I told Pastor one time, I said, okay, if, if, if I ha- you have to have a funeral for me before Jesus comes back, understand that I could be a real pain in the neck sometimes, and you don't mind you saying that. Don't paint me as some big, you know, wonderful person. You can some. It's okay. You can do that some. But don't leave it there. Say, you know, she had her moments. She had her moments, you know. 
because we've all had our moments. Because <laughs> we're all growing. We're not going to be finished with this process until we leave this earth. <laughs> you know, so, so anyway, realize that. And, and, and realize this. You don't need to have a feeling to know that God has forgiven you. You don't need to have a feeling to know that you have forgiven yourself. You don't need to have a feeling that you have actually forgiven someone else. It's not based on feelings. It's strictly based on the word. It is strictly based on the word and the fact that God is faithful and true to his word. Feelings aside, I may not feel Feel, feel. The emotions may still be, but you know what? I can take control of my mind by renewing my mind. Pastor was talking about that on Sunday. Renewing the mind is the most important thing you can do. And, and you, can, you can keep get, get your mind reprogrammed with the word of God. And feelings don't mean a thing. Not a thing. What does the word say? What did God say about this? Did God say he's faithful and just to forgive me? Then I forgive myself. I let go of those things. I determine to do better. You know, you know, maybe, so what if you fail tomorrow? Okay, I just go back to square one. Father, forgive me, you know, and you forgive yourself and go on. Don't sit there in a place of just, oh, I can't just, oh, I'm never going to do this right. I'll never make it. I'll never do this. Yes, you are. Stop saying that. Don't give voice to those things. You're giving voice to something the enemy is putting in your head. Stop it. You give voice to what God has put in your heart, not what the enemy has put in your head. You give voice. You speak it. You hear yourself speak the word of God over yourself. You hear yourself speak the word of God over a situation that's causing you problems. You hear yourself speak the word of God that you can and do forgive somebody, that you walk in love toward that person, that that is nothing more than a memory. It's part of history, and that's all it is, and it has no effect on me anymore. It does not determine my life. It does not determine anything about me and what I can or cannot do. It is over and done. You have to hear yourself say those things. Why? Because it puts faith in your heart. It reinforces what the word says. You keep saying, you keep saying, you have to do it. You have, you have to. You have, you have to speak to those things. You know, and it, 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 it might seem empty at first. It might seem like I am just putting on. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Because I have seen the time where I, I had a scripture in front of me, and, and I'm just, and it, it seems as dead and as lifeless as anything could possibly be. But I'm telling you what, the more I said it, the more I heard it my, myself saying it, the more I kept going, going, the more alive it became. You want it to come alive on you? You start speaking, you start confessing over yourself. The love of God is big on the inside of me. The love of God overcomes everything. The love of God keeps me secure and safe. The love of God is is is. It's in me to the extent that I can do all things when it comes to this situation. I can do it. I don't have to worry about it. I can do this. I can do this. 
And when the thoughts come back to you that says, oh, no, you can't, you go, oh, yeah. It says casting down imaginations and everything that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Those thoughts are ex- trying to exalt themselves above what you know is in the word. You cast them down. You cast them down. Get rid of them. Do not entertain them on any level, whether it's forgiveness for you, yourself or whether it's forgiveness in, in, towards someone else. You cast them down. Do not entertain that nonsense because it's exactly what it is it's nonsense the devil is a liar he's the father of liars he's full of lies he doesn't speak anything but lies the interesting thing about condemnation I, I should have said this before the interesting thing about condemnation is that the enemy has he has a very good knowledge of the word and he will always use some element of truth in what he's presenting to you so you'll take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. You want to poison an animal, you know, some, you know, animal that's, that's you know, you've you got rats or mice or something. You, you take the poison and you camouflage it in something good. And that's what the enemy does is he takes his condemnation and he camouflages it in a little bit of truth. And so because you see that little bit of truth, then you take the rest of it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just seemed like tonight, you know, I just needed to go back to that and kind of just flesh it out a little bit more. And I've got another section here, but we'll just, we'll just wait till next week because it's 839. I'll give you six minutes. How about five? Before the clock just changed, you only get five. Next week, we'll just probably try, kind of wrap this up. Listen, there is no end. I mean, the love of God is a subject that can be taught on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. But I think probably next week, uh, I'll, I'll uh, just kind of wrap up this for now. But, um, you know, you, um, you get opportunities to put into practice between now and next week what you've heard. And that's how you grow. Don't dread those opportunities. Welcome them. Why? Because you're equipped to handle it. You have been armed with what you need to overcome it. And you just need to practice. It's one thing to have a bow and arrow. It's another thing to go out and practice with it. You've got it. You know, of course, you know, I was talking about guns sometime today with my neighbor down the street. You know, he's... And uh, it, it won't do you any good to own one if you don't use it, if you don't know how to use it. So we're telling you about how to use it. So when the opportunity comes to use it, use it. Amen. Okay, now you're down to four minutes. You better get out of here quick. Love you guys. See you Sunday. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.